Hello, and for almost the last time, welcome back to Illiterate. We've got a bad case of the books. This is certainly the last episode in season one of the podcast, but I might create more seasons to do like reflections and stuff. Today, we have a complex prompt. I'm going to examine how Point of View in Ready Player One creates suspense, humor, irony, etc., etc. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Sounds like fun. So without further ado, let's just get right into it. So Ready Player One, as I previously said, is written in the first person point of view. That means it is all coming from the perspective of one specific character, in this case, Wade. However, the story is set in the past tense. <laughs> Sorry. However, the story is also set in past tense, so the entire time Wade is like, I heard or she said. This is often used to create suspense. For example, in the prologue at location 201, the text states, Holiday's Easter egg gradually moved into the realm of urban legend and the ever-dwindling tribe of Gunters gradually became the object of ridicule. Each year on the anniversary of Holiday's death, newscasters jokingly reported on their continued lack of progress. And each year, more Gunters called it quits, concluding that Holiday had indeed made the egg impossible to find. And another year went by. And another. Then, on the evening of February 11, 2045, an avatar's name appeared at the top of the scoreboard for the entire world to see. After five long years, the copper key had finally been found by an 18-year-old kid living in a trailer park on the outskirts of Oklahoma City. That kid was me. Dozens of books, cartoons, movies, and miniseries, miniseries have attempted to tell the series of... I've attempted to tell the story of everything that happened next, but every single one of them got it wrong. So I want to set the record straight, once and for all. This was the perfect way to end the prologue, because it draws the reader's attention and interest by creating suspense. Suspense is defined as a state or feeling of anxious or of excited or anxious uncertainty about what may happen. When Wade explains how so many years of ridicule and ignorance went by, it shows that nothing interesting happened. However, this mood quickly changes when he says a single avatar appeared on the scoreboard. This adds a layer of intensity and curiosity that the reader wants to keep reading. Once Wade reveals his place in the game, it shows you how the journey to get here must have been difficult, and it's intriguing, as you wondered how everything must have went down. Especially once Wade tells the odds that he persevered through, because after that the reader feels anxious to know how he did it, creating the suspense. Although we know what is going to happen in the long run, we don't know how the events are going to transcribe. Another time when the point of view makes you feel suspense is when Wade gets arrested. Wade explains we have a plan, but we're not at all clued into what that plan is, so it leaves a tone of suspense and anxiety in the air, because everyone just wants to know how he's going to recover from this. The text states, I didn't test out the IOI passwords until the second night of my indenturement. Vocab alert! I was understandably anxious, because if it turned out I'd sold bogus data, or none of the passwords worked, I would have sold myself into lifelong slavery. That's a location 4779. Although it is in past tense, he still could be in the prison while writing the book, so it leads the anxious, uh, the readers anxious and hopeful for him. The point of view in Ready Player One sometimes creates humor in the story as well. One example is when the Sixers made Wade an offer right before, right, sorry, right after he clears the first gate. The text states, "No, I thought you're going to turn it, yeah, meaning the Oasis, into a faces." Faceless corporate theme park where the few people who can still afford the price of admission no longer have an ounce of freedom. I'd heard as much of these jerk sales pitches as I could stand. Okay, I said. 
count me in, sign me up, whatever you guys call it, I'm in. Sorrento looked surprised. This clearly wasn't the answer he'd been expecting. He smiled wide and was about to offer me his hand again when I cut him off. But I have three minor conditions, I said. First, I want a $50 million bonus when I find the egg for you guys, not 25. Is that doable? He didn't even hesitate. Done. What are your other conditions? I don't want to be second in command, I said. I want your job, Sorrento. I want to be in charge of the whole shebang. Chief of, um, chief of operations. El numero uno. Oh, and I want everyone to have to call me El numero uno, too. Is that possible? My mouth seemed to be operating independent of my brain. I couldn't help myself. Sorrento's smile had vanished. What else? I don't want to work with you. I leveled a finger at him. You give me the creeps. But if your superiors are willing to fire your ass and give me your position, I'm in. It's a done deal. Silence. Sorrento's face was a stoic mask. He'd probably had certain emotions, like anger or rage, filtered out on his facial recognition software. Could you check with your bosses and let me know if they'll agree to that, I said? Or are they monitoring us right now? I'm betting they are. I waved at the invisible cameras. Hi, guys. What do you say? There was a long silence, during which Sorrento simply glared at me. Of course they're monitoring us, he said finally. And they've informed me that they're willing to agree each of your demands. He didn't sound all that upset. Really? I said, great. When can I start? And, minim and more importantly, when can you leave? Immediately, he said. The company will prepare your contract and send it to a lawyer for approval. Then we, they, will fly you here to Columbus to sign the paperwork and close the deal, he said. That should conclude. Actually, I held up a hand, cutting him off again. I spent the last few seconds thinking this over a bit more, and I'm, I think I'm going to have to pass on your offer. I'd rather find the egg on my own. Thanks, I stood up. You and the other sucksewers can all go do some inappropriate things to a duck. That's at location 2383. <laughs> I know that was a long quote, so sorry about that, but I thought it would be more meaningful if I gave you the entire context so you could understand the full humor to it. This would not nearly be the same if it was written in third person. It would be more of a, Wade said, okay, I accept your offer, and everyone's so confused because we don't understand what he's doing until he finds it humorous at the end when he is, like, rejects Sorrento. Because we're given direct insight to his thoughts. We know what he is thinking. We know that he's thinking negative thoughts about the IOI, so we understand that what he's doing is humorous. Whereas, if it was written in the third person, we wouldn't understand how Wade feels about the Sixers at all. The point of view is also used to show irony. Pretty quickly on in the book, it's established that Wade is good and the Sixers are bad. However, in hearing Wade's thoughts, it shows that he isn't what someone consider morally good. For example, after Sorrento blows up Wade's trailer, the text states, eventually the shock began to wear off and the reality of what had just happened began started to sink in. My Aunt Alice and her boyfriend Rick were dead, along with everyone who had ever lived in our trailer and the trailers below and around it, including sweet old Mrs. Gilmore. If I had been at home, I would be dead now, too. Dot, dot, dot. As soon as the first endorsement payment arrived in my account, I made, or I bought a one, but, I bought a one-way bus ticket to Columbus, Ohio, set to depart at eight the following morning. I paid extra for a first-class seat, which came with a comfier chair and a high-bandwidth uplink jacked. I planned to spend most of the long ride east logged into the Oasis. That's at location 2505. From a third-person point of view, uh, readers would assume that Wade was feeling remarkably guilty and was only leaving to save his life and was internally mourning the whole time. However, from the per first point of view, you see that the only time he internally mentions the people he killed is that one time before he moves on with his life. 
And knowing this, we understand that he's kind of heartless, showing why him being the good character is extremely ironic. And that, my friends, is the last time I will ever rant. Yeah, I know this one wasn't actually too long, but still, I would like to sincerely apologize for all the time you have taken listening to my podcast. However, I truly have had a blast learning how to make one. It's so cool that this has been listened to so many times and distributed throughout so many different places for everyone to hear. Really, Anchor is awesome. Like, I'm not even joking. Use it for heaven's sakes. Um, and I would like to truly thank you for listening to my podcast. This has been so much fun to make. It's also been really stressful and I've cried over it several times, but that's beyond the point. Have a great day and thank you for listening to Illiterate. We've got a bad case of the books. If you have any questions, there is a way I can answer them on the show. Voice messages. Just go to anchor.fm slash Lauren B. Campbell. Again, that's anchor.fm slash Lauren B. Campbell. And there's a button you can click to send a voice message asking any question that I can answer on the show. A special thanks to Anchor for hosting this podcast and the listeners for your support. Hope you join us next time. Bye!